Hello, and welcome to the OnTIC Protective Intelligence Podcast. I'm Fred Burton, the Executive Director of the OnTIC Center for Protective Intelligence. During my years as a counterterrorism agent with the U.S. State Department and time spent as a physical security expert in the private sector, I've seen it all and met many fascinating people along the way. This podcast series explores the riveting world of protective intelligence through conversations with leaders in the security field. I'm Fred Bergen, and now on to the podcast. Hi, I'm Fred Burton, here today with New York Times bestselling author Mark Graney. Mark has a degree in international relations and political science. In his research for the Gray Man novels, including Relentless, and the upcoming Sierra Six. He has traveled to more than 15 countries and trained alongside military and law enforcement in the use of firearms, battlefield medicine, and close-range combative tactics. With Marine Lieutenant Colonel Rip Rawlings, he wrote the New York Times bestseller, Red Metal. He is also the author of New York Times bestsellers, Tom Clancy, Support and Defend. And with Tom Clancy, he co-authored Locked On, Threat Vector, and Command Authority. His newest Gray Man novel, Sierra Six, will be released on February the 15th. Mark, welcome to the OnTIC Protective Intelligence Podcast. Thanks for having me back, Fred. Great to see you. It's my pleasure. We really appreciate you uh, being on the show today. We get a lot of interest in authors anytime we interview them. And uh, there's nobody that's doing a better job at at the top of their game with thrillers than you. Well, thank you for saying that. I appreciate that a lot. Now, Mark, uh, it's been a while since we chatted. It has. It's been uh, three years. And um, I have a little story to tell you about that if you're you're up for it. Um, Hopefully your listeners (laughs) won't mind. Um, Three years ago, I was on your show and apparently just a few days after that, um, I was a single fellow at the time. Um, a few days after that, a friend of mine was having lunch with with one of her girlfriends and the other girl named Allison was just talking about how she was single and looking or whatever. And and my friend Janie um, suggested me. And so they kind of Googled me right there in the, in the restaurant. And then uh, as Allison was driving home from, from the lunch, she just pulled up the first audio thing that she could, or the first thing that she could find. And it was uh, my conversation with you three years ago, um, my book that was coming out then. So she listened to this uh, 30 minute or so interview and um, thought I seemed like a decent enough guy. And then uh, we got fixed up and we got married last year. So I, I don't know how much matchmaking you do on on your podcast regularly, but I wanted <laughs> I wanted to thank you for that. It was uh yeah, and I'm glad you made me look good. <laughs> whatever whatever <laughs> whatever happened, it, it worked out to my benefit. And little did I know when we were chatting at that moment that that was going to uh, change the course of my life. That's an amazing story, Mark. I'm I'm going to have to add matchmaker to my uh, resume. There you go. There you go. Now, by my count. Sierra Six is the 11th Gray Man novel. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Tell me a little bit about it. Well, this book is different from my other books in that it is told in two intersecting timelines um, throughout the entire book. So 
you you basically get two novels in one. It's a it's a one hundred and sixty five thousand word book, so it's basically two eighty something thousand word novels in one. And and in one of these timelines, my hero, my protagonist, Court Gentry, it's twelve years ago, and he is a young CIA paramilitary officer in Pakistan trying to stop a terrorist from attacking coalition forces with radioactive dispersal devices or, or dirty bombs. And then 12 years later, which is in the present, he is working as a freelance intelligence um, officer, actually for the Indian government at this moment, when he sees a ghost from the past, from 12 years ago. And this sends him to India, where he has to get answers um, through a, a, a number of means about what happened long ago. And it's it's kind of a very personal story for my hero. And there's two ticking clocks, and there's a lot of locations and a lot of action and intrigue. So I've I think it's a fun it's a fun pair of novels uh, uh, woven into one. That sounds amazing. Now, Court Gentry, how did you develop that character? Well, it's he's developed over time. Um, it, originally, the the my first idea for him, I was not a published author. I'd written some stuff, but hadn't been published. But I was down in El Salvador. Um, I was down in Guatemala studying Spanish, and I was I spent a weekend in El Salvador, and I was just at a bar. And there was an American guy there, and I just came up with this whole backup backstory for this interesting-looking uh, guy sitting there in the dark in this seedy little bar off the beach in El Salvador. And um, and then literally that night, I just came up with this whole character that he was a CIA officer, but for some reason there was a a burn notice on him, and and the agency was act- actively hunting him, and so he's living off the grid and uh, doing picking up jobs as sort of like a private hitman with a conscience. And, uh, and I, I sort of came up with the whole concept in one night, not even as, as something to write about at first, probably within the first 30 minutes of thinking about it, I was, I was saying, I wonder if this would be a book, but at first it was just, you know, just kind of daydreaming while I was sitting there by myself having a beer. Yeah, that's amazing. Now, Mark, uh, you have been extraordinarily fortunate, I would say, to have collaborated with uh, one of the greatest uh, thriller writers of all time and and Tom Clancy. Tell us about that. Yes, yeah, back in 2011, so it's been over 10 years now when it started, um, I got a call from my editor. At, at that point, I'd only had two paperback books out. I think I'd turned in the third novel, but it, it was not going to be published for almost a year. and. Um, my agent called me actually, and he asked. He said that uh, my editor was interested to know if I would be interested in co-authoring with Tom Clancy. And uh, it was very intimidating, obviously, very scary process. But they had me go up to Baltimore. I actually sort of tried out for it on my own because um, no decision was made promptly. So I said, "Listen, I'll just go ahead and write twenty-five or fifty pages, like I'm." writing characters in, in the Clancy world. And, you know, cause I, I wanted to show that I knew who Chavez was and who Clark was and who Jack Ryan was and, and all that. So I wrote this thing and they had me come up to Baltimore and meet Tom. And we wrote that first book was called Locked On in 2011. And we did two more. We had just turned in the, the third book, uh, Command Authority, when he passed away in 2013, unfortunately. And it came out a couple minutes after his death, a couple of months after his death. And then the family asked me if I would be interested in continuing the Jack Ryan series. So I ended up doing four more um, novels on my own after Tom passed. And the last one came out at the end of 2016. That's unbelievable. I I know as a young agent, uh, I always had a Clancy novel in my carry-on bag traveling around the globe. And uh, 
Uh, he, his impact in this space has just been tremendous, and to have that opportunity to actually work with him. What's your favorite uh, Tom Clancy story, or better put, what did he teach you about uh, the craft of writing? Well, I, I attribute the the writer I am now to Tom in in large part. Uh, my books are very different. I, I I I don't know if the average reader would, but I see a huge difference between my first three Gray Man novels and then books four and on because those are the books I was I, I was in the Tom Clancy world um, or had, you know was working with Tom and and after his death and I just see the books are just a lot more fleshed out. There's more intrigue. Um, I I like to. I like to say they're they're wide and deep. I I, I don't want to make them narrow and deep, and I don't want to make them wide and thin. I want to make them wide and deep. So they are they are bigger books, which is a hundred percent the Clancy effect. But uh, you know, just working with Tom, you know, I, I remember sitting in his office and we were just sort of talking about I can't remember specifically what vehicle it was, but some you know French engines for. Mirage fighters or something like that, and we were getting down in the minutia of, of these things. And I just remember going like, I can't believe this is happening to me because my dad and I were massive Clancy fans back in the eighties and nineties, and my dad had passed away before I ever got published. And uh, and I was just like, he just, my dad would not be able to believe that I'm sitting in his office, you know, talking about all these things that you know that Tom Clancy enjoys talking about. So it was a great experience overall. It was good for me professionally, but it was really good for me personally as well. Yeah, that's uh, one of those kinds of surreal moments that that you have in this business. That's uh, amazing, and and certainly it's it's a testament to not only your skill but uh, your ability to tell a damn good story. Uh, you've been so successful with uh, the Gray Man novel. We're talking with Mark Graney, and his new book uh, Sierra Six comes out on February the fifteenth. Talk me through your process. We have a lot of um, security practitioners that listen to our podcast, Mark, and many of them want to write books. So how do you make the sausage? Well, um, as, I, as I have grown, I've become more disciplined. It, it took me 15 years to write my first novel. That was long before I was published. And then it took me seven months to write my second novel because once I finished the first one, I'm like, you know, I didn't really work that hard at it. <laughs> I just kind of picked at it for a while. And I probably put the same amount of effort into the, the second book. But it wasn't until my fourth book that I was published. And the fourth book was The Gray Man. And my process is is pretty simple. Like I, I come up with some sort of big macro idea, like, you know, North Korea is trying to, you know, spread a virus or something like, like that, just as a general idea. And then I go into the micro of, of who my characters are and what I want them to do and sort of where I want the characters to start the book and where I want them to finish the book. If they're heroes or villains, it doesn't matter. Um, so you kind of come up with these little arcs and then you just start building the story from there. And honestly, process wise, I like to write first thing in the morning and sit there behind my computer and write as long as I can. And if I'm having trouble in one spot of the story, you know, I. I've developed the discipline to go to another part of the story and start writing there and not to worry about everything linking up at first. You know, you'll, you'll clean all that stuff up in the editing. Um, so uh, I think it's, it's hugely important to just be able to just be able to write scenes in your story 
and and compile them and put them together because it's really hard to write a book completely linearly and 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 keep it together. So I I, I think my discipline is my ability to have a big idea for a book and then just start writing little bitty chunks of it here and there. And then it all starts to fit together after several months. We'll get back to the conversation in just a moment. But first, I wanted to tell you a little about Ontic's Center for Protective Intelligence. In the world of protective intelligence, we know that gathering and sharing information is crucial this is why we created the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. We're regularly sharing strategies and best practices, insights learned from current and historical trends, as well as lessons learned from physical security experts like you. To find blogs, podcasts, webinars, white papers, and more, check out the center by visiting ontic.co slash center. That's ontic.co slash center. Well, and you do a tremendous amount of research for your stories too, traveling to locations and so forth, correct? Yeah, I, I, that's something I, I do as much as I can. COVID has really uh, put a damper on that, as you can imagine. Um, I'm going to uh, the Caribbean here and about two months to research the 12th Gray Man book, and that'll be in St. Lucia. And I have been to 38 countries um, researching my books. Uh, uh, another bo book I co-authored called Red Metal, a military thriller, and then my Clancy books. Like when I was working with Tom Clancy, I was going to Beijing and to Hong Kong and to Moscow and to um, Stockholm and, and wherever. And um, it's the, the location research is fantastic. Getting to work uh, alongside the military and see that world up close is hugely, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun, but it's very rewarding and it really helps the books as well. Last fall, I was fortunate enough to be able to fly back seat in an F-18. Uh, the U.S. Naval Reserve had, had me out down in New Orleans and we flew and we, we hit Mach 1 and Hold a bunch of G's and and had an amazing time, but it's 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 all stuff that'll go right into a book. Now you mentioned you were a big Clancy fan, and same with your father. Do you have a favorite Clancy novel? I answer that question differently at different times. <laughs> I I think probably, I mean, Red October is is a perfect book as far as I'm concerned, but Clear and Present Danger for some reason is probably my favorite book. Um, I don't know why there's there's some confluence of action and tension in that book that uh, I think is my favorite. That one came out I think in '89 or '90, something like that. Um, but I love Red Storm Rising. I mean, I love uh, Without Remorse, which is usually most people say Red October or Without Remorse are their favorites. But um, I, I, somehow, Clear and Present Danger has always kind of been my favorite. Yeah, that's mine too. I think uh, because of the protection aspect to that story, it, it's still a, a darn good read, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I haven't picked it up in a while, but I picked up other Clancy books, um, many others, just doing during the research phase of, of, of working with Tom. And it, it was really nice to see how things hold up, you know, that you haven't read since the 80s and now it's 2012 or whatever. And, uh, and you know the book just holds up, and it and it holds your attention just like it did way back then. Now, the Gray Man is coming to Netflix. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, there, there, it's a film, not a series. 
and it should be uh, coming out in, uh, they're saying July. That has to be surreal, maybe a little bit scary. It it is both of those things. Yeah, I originally sold the film right or optioned the film rights in 2009, so before The Gray Man even came out, and it's been bouncing around Hollywood all that time. And frankly, I never thought it would be made into a film. I people talked about it, and their scripts were written, and one studio got it, then another. But all that time, I was just sort of waiting for the whole thing to die on the vine, and it seemed like it had died on the vine multiple times. And uh, then about a year and a half ago, they announced uh, Netflix announced that they were going to spend two hundred million dollars to make it with Joe and Anthony Russo, the Russo brothers uh, directing. And Joe Russo uh, wrote the script and then some other uh, screenwriters came in and they sent me the shooting script right last year as they started to film it. So they've already filmed it. And um, and I read the script and and loved every bit of it. So I'm, I'm real excited to see it come out. It is it is also kind of scary because it's like. Uh, you know, you know that your exposure will be different. You know, it'll be a sort of a different level of exposure than I'm accustomed to. So we'll see what that entails. But you know, it's it's every writer's dream to have something you know filmed, and I'm I'm excited that it's happening finally. Yeah, I'm eagerly awaiting that. Uh, that's going to be amazing, uh, and the success um, is um, something that's well deserved uh, when you start looking at. Um, the hard work and effort you've put into all of these books over the years. And so uh, that's going to be tremendous. And, and I can only imagine what it's going to be like when you first see, see that shown up on the screen to, to watch one of your books hit the silver screen. Yeah. I, I'm, I really don't know what to expect. I, I told my wife joking with my wife. I'm like, the, the day that film comes out, I'll probably still have to write 3000 words that day. I'll be on <laughs> deadline. And, uh, and, you know, there'll be some point during that day, just knowing my personality, I'll just be, I'll be just like grumbling to myself that I've got to go watch this movie tonight and, and I've got so much else to do, <laughs> but, uh, but obviously I'm, I'm really thrilled for it. They want to turn it into a franchise with more, more films, which I hope they do, but I've told myself to be, you know, very, very happy <laughs> that they're doing one and not to get uh, too far out ahead of my skis. Mark, how do you keep a thriller series like this going i don't have a good answer for that i like to write a different type of book each year as i said this book is very different because i've never tried this kind of two stories threaded together like this and i've written one in the first person i've written some that were um you know more of a personal story and others that were more of a a, a big um intrigue story so I like to do different things. I, I don't ever want to go back and, and do the same story or just change the names. And, you know, that uh, eventually what will happen is I'll have a year where I don't have an idea and I just won't, I just won't write a book. I'm not going to force something that doesn't seem like it's going to be good. I, I write other things. Uh, for the whole past 10 years, I've written two novels a year. So one gray man and a Clancy or a gray man and, uh, you know, something else uh, just under my name. So. Uh, one thing that does help the series is getting away from the series and not just writing about one protagonist in one scenario. So I, long-term, I don't know how I'll keep doing it. Uh, I have a, I have a pretty good plan for next year's book. So, you know, one book at a time, I'm, I'm feeling okay about it. Mark, when you think about uh, the lessons you've learned in writing and putting together a story 
what piece of advice would you pass along to that individual that's sitting out there, let's say, in a Humvee somewhere or in a follow car or working a midnight shift in a patrol car and they they want to write a story and they want to be the next Mark Greeny, what would you tell them? I would tell them, you know, it all depends on where they are in their process, but I would, I, one piece of advice that I think is really, really crucial because I see a lot of problems with this is just finish something. I don't care what you're working on. If you're working on this uh, huge novel and you're not getting anywhere, whatever, put it to the side, go write a short story or a novella or something short, but something that has a beginning, a middle and an end and something that you completely edit to the best of your ability and, and get as perfect as you possibly can. I think once you, because there's a whole bunch of different skills that you have to have to write a book well. And I, I've just run into hundreds of people over the past 12 years since I've been published who are telling me about all the ideas they have. And, you know, they're working on this and they're working on that. And, and what they're actually telling me is they're writing the easy parts of each of these projects and then they're getting to the tough parts and then they're going on to something else. And that's the problem. I mean, there's, there's a lot of speed bumps in writing a, a book. Um, I say, you know, if my book is 150,000 words, that's 150,000 decisions I have to make and you can get stuck at every, any one of them. So if you're able to get over those speed bumps and even if it's you're just writing a short story or some, something that you get as good as you possibly make it, it's not to get published. It's just to learn your craft. And I think people who do that, who, who put their big work behind, you know, to the side, something that feels like an albatross around their neck and then go and write something else and just really get it down. They'll go back to that first work, like really inspired and really excited. Mark, if someone wants to learn more about uh, the Gray Man series, Sierra 6, or you, where should they go? I have a website. It is markgrainybooks.com, and my last name is spelled G-R-E-A-N-E-Y. And I keep uh, everything that is involved with my books and audio projects and the Netflix film and all the information is right there. Before we leave, is there anything you would like to say? Well, I would like to thank you uh, for a couple of reasons. One, for having me on your show, as I do. Obviously, thank you for um, giving me a wife. <laughs> that doesn't sound right, but you know what I mean. Um, as, as I said at the beginning, that that was uh, I've been I've been looking forward for three years to come back live with you and, and tell you that story. Um, I didn't want to just email you or whatever I wanted to tell you. So, um, yeah, that that was pretty unique. Yeah, that's never happened before in any of my uh, interviews. So uh, I <laughs> that you, appreciate that you know of that you know of that you I know of. So I appreciate you sharing that uh, with me. I I think that also qualifies me for one of those tickets when the premiere comes out for uh, the movie. It absolutely does. I, uh, we'll we'll see if we can make that happen. Thanks so much, Mark. Thank you so much, Fred. Appreciate it. This episode was brought to you by the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. Learn more at ontic.co slash center. Again, that's ontic.co slash center. It was produced by AJ McKeon. Our music is a track called Monte Verde Ride and was written by Brian Bristow and performed by Smokin' Novas. 
check them out on Spotify. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcast at ontic.ai or visit ontic.co slash center for more information. I'm Fred Burton. Thanks for listening.